0: Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Before you sit down, we'll act like this is a men's meeting. want you turn around to three or four people, say, "I'm glad you're here," and give them a high five. Okay? <laughs> Ladies, you do it good too. It's an honor to be back. How many of you were here last time I was here? Anybody remember me from a long time ago? Yeah. How many of you think I'm just the new guest speaker? That's the truth. I'm the new guest guy. Turn to the person next to you and say, I hope he's good. You know, I, I really don't think I need to say anything. I think the pastor has the anointing. I think you ought to just kept going from where he was doing. I was saying, he's got it. He's, the, he's got the, the thought of the word of the Lord this morning. But it's 4th of July, and he asked me to come in and speak and talk a little bit. I should tell you that the hope is Jesus, and the hope is transformation. I'll tell you some stories a little bit, and then I want to talk to you about my perspective this year over the 4th of July. This is my 50th year in Jesus. I senior pastored for 25 years. I planted a church in not only Sin City, which is Las Vegas, but Sin State, which is Reno. Reno gave birth to Las Vegas. And so I did all my pastoring in a mission field that said, we don't want churches, it's bad for our business. I remember my first time I was asked to pray at a city council meeting. The mayor of the town was a lady And she kept talking, and I said, I just stood there, blue blazer, naive kid, you know, church planting at 29, 20, 30 years old. And she looked at me and said, I told you to pray. And I said, well, I thought you were going to stop talking. She said, no, you pray, I talk, just do your thing and go. That was the mayor of Reno. So I prayed with my eyes open, and she kept talking to her friend next to her, a city council member. I got done. She goes, good. Thank you for coming. Bye. See you. And kept going. No no respect at all. Why? Because Nevada, you don't move to Nevada to go to church. You move to Nevada to be rebellious against authority and do your own thing and sin. And then crawl back to Oklahoma or Texas and say, oh, had a great weekend. You can smile. It's okay. <laughs> Let me just talk about this Jesus, though, transformation. The reason that I went in the military was I dodged the draft. Back in those days, I got my card. My card said, you're going in. I had like 148, Those back in the draft days of Vietnam. And I said, I'm not going to war. I don't, want, I don't want to go to war. I want to surf, I want to ski, I want to date, I want to have fun, and I'm not going to go to war. So I made sure that an injury into my arm, I was playing water polo and swam in high school, I made sure that I smashed this arm into a concrete wall for a long time so that my arm didn't work. So when I got called to go into Hollywood and walk down Wilshire Boulevard with my toothbrush because I was going in the Army, when I got to the induction center, my arm didn't work. And I said, hey, my arm doesn't work. Can't go. Physically disabled. Yeah, yeah, we've heard it all. I said, take an x-ray. Took an x-ray of my, my arm. It didn't work. I said, that's right. Four of us went in that day. Two of us escaped, going to Vietnam. The two that didn't escape, two 18 year olds, were dead within one year, my friends. Two of us got out. We went home and got drunk and said we got out. Thank God. Actually, I didn't say thank God, I didn't know God. Then I got saved. And when I got saved, the Lord said, you have no character, no integrity, no honor. You're an embarrassment. I want you to make right every wrong in your life. I said, if I have to do that, that'll kill me. He said, that's all right. You're supposed to be dead anyway. Dead in Jesus. He said, I want you to go back and start making every right, every wrong right in your life. And then the Lord said, you had dodged the draft." What's the deal? You dodge two, you owe me four. Go in. During Vietnam. And I told my friends, God told me to go in the military. They said, that's not God, that's the devil. He's trying to kill you. No one goes to Vietnam. No one goes to, if you don't have to go, don't go. I said, yeah, but I have to make things right in my life. My mom said, don't go. My dad said, don't go. Both Republicans. My girlfriend said, if you go, I won't be here when you get back. This is the stupidest thing you've done, and you've done a lot of stupid things. I said, see ya. Bye, Mom. Bye, Dad. Bye, girlfriend. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do what's right. And transformation was setting in my soul. I went in. I said, if I'm going to go in, I might as well max out. Let's go special ops. Let's get it on. If we're going to go, let's go. And I did my time. I spent time in military. Today I train military. I train Navy SEALs, Air Force Special Warfare. I was just in Lackland last week, Air Force Base, working with Air Force Special Warfare. I train young people. I train kids. And um, it's my men's ministry to those who don't go to church. And I have a great time. Now, why do I say that? You want to Want to clap? Clap. Give God glory. I say that because there is nothing that Jesus can't do. And when you look at someone, I did 20 years of prison ministry. I a TV show that went into five prisons. And for 20 years, I went into minimum, medium, maximum, 1,000 guys life without, 1,000 guys life without, D or C yard, 1,000 guys life without, D yard, 1,000 guys life without. California level five prisons with my TV program. And then I'd go in and I'd say, I like you guys. You're all screwed up. But Jesus likes you and wants to fix your stuff. And if you're willing to deal and if you're willing to grow up and if you're willing to change and let him be the Lord of your life, he'll fix you like he fixed me. And they said, really? And then we do the stuff. We're going to minister to guys and watch them get out of prison. They weren't supposed to get out of prison. I say that because when Miss Tracy was singing about depression and anxiety and freedom, Evan sang that song, which was tremendous, you know, I said, golly. And then Miss Tracy got up and talked about freedom. On 4th of July, this is a message about transformation and becoming free. But it's also a message about countries and nations transforming and becoming better. And these are some of my thoughts as I face this 4th of July as a grandfather. I'm 70 years old, almost 71. I'm thinking, golly, we're in another storm. We're back in another storm. And the pastor and I, we've been through some, some of you too. I was in the storm of the Watts riots back in the early 60s, burning down cities. We were in the storms of the Democratic Convention back during the Yippie days when Vietnam War was being argued and protested and rioted upon. Those were were dark times. We have dark times and storms in our nation often. And this is another storm time. We don't have a perfect nation. We don't have perfect people. Look at me. Look at you. We got issues. Every day, when I wake up in the morning, I wake up saved, sanctified, filled, feeling like I'm God's creation. Listen this, this. But then I put on my stuff, my worldview, my background, my hurts, my rejections, my failures. The world is great until I put on my stuff and see life through my worldview, that everything changes. And then God says, I need to sanctify you and work on you. I need to change you. Now, let me tell you a little bit back more about this thing. I'm an adopted kid. I got adopted out of an orphanage at three years old. Special needs kid, couldn't run. Didn't learn to run till I was six because I wore braces on my ankles. Rejection, failure. And I just wanna say this in this storm, I had a church of women who all had abortions because in Nevada it's pretty normal for people to have abortions. And I was a pro life pastor. And I said to them, Welcome. We're all in need of help. And I would say to them, You're forgiven. And God loves you. God has a plan for your life. I'm just glad someone didn't abort me. Because I was someone's mistake with disabilities. And the grace of God was that I was allowed to live and a set of nice parents adopted, not a normal kid, but a kid who is disabled. And I say to them, have another child and keep this next one. and believe for them, and walk with that new child, and start over again, and let old things pass away, let old things be gone, and let the new come. Because there's forgiveness, and there's healing, and there's hope. But what people do when they're desperate, and when pe- what people do when they're broken, what people do when they're afraid, they make mistakes, they do things that they regret later on in life. We've all had those things. And that's why when we talk about Jesus, Jesus is the healer. He's the restorer. He's the one who takes the brokenhearted and, and he heals because what we do in the dark, we do because we're in the dark. But when we come into the light, he gives us light and we say, we oh, change. I want to grow. I want to be better. The history of our nation And our personal lives is the history of personal and social struggles, debates, disagreements, storms about things like freedom, slavery, and justice. I want to give you a a thought. I don't know if you've thought about this, but like your pastor, I've traveled to a lot of nations. And I've thought about people in those nations and the transformation that the gospel wants to bring. And here's, here's something that I want you to think on. In Acts 1.8, it says, And Jesus appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. My question is, what did he say for 40 days that he couldn't have said in five minutes? God's a good God. He loves you, I'm here, I went to the cross, I died, I rose again, I'm gonna be right here with you now, freak you out, and here I am, I don't wanna talk to you about it. And he spent 40 days talking to them. What would Jesus say for 40 days? You get to the end of the book of Acts, the very last chapter, Acts 28, and it says this, and this is what Paul writes, or, I'm sorry, the writer of Acts writes, says this, and think on this 23, Acts 20, 23. and they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to a place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared, he explained what did he have to explain? He explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses. Verse 24, some were convinced, but others would not believe. They disagreed amongst themselves. People are still disagreeing today amongst themselves about truth about foundational issues, about the goodness of God, about forgiveness, about transformation. Then it says this, they disagreed with themselves and began to leave after Paul made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, go to this people, let's think about nations, and the gospel is going to come to America for the first time, Russia, England, Burma, African nations, Go to people, these people, and say, you will be ever hearing the truth that it is, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but you won't get it, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts, prior to God's mercy and goodness, but people's hearts will become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. How many know society today, they argue, and they, they're hard to be convinced, and they, they, they don't know what to do with each other. They disagree disagreeably. And God's saying, if I can just break through to their hearts, the light will turn on and they'll see it. But they can't see it. And then it goes on and says, verse 30, and for two whole years. Everybody say two years. Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to him. 31, boldly without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God. And taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought that were the same thing. He taught about the Lord Jesus Christ, but he taught about the kingdom of God for two years. What did he say for two years? He talked about the ramifications of the word, the truth, in the their family, in their lives, in their society, in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Thessalonica, in Rome. When you receive Jesus, it's going to have ramifications and the kingdom of God is going to begin to percolate and come alive and it's going to change everything in society. And they argued with him As he tried to convince them, this is what God would want to have happen if he had his way to do it. But your hearts are calloused. You've been doing things wrong. You've been not hearing correctly. You've been doing your cultures. And God says he wants to change it. And for two years, he argued every day with people who said, Jesus, but these are the ramifications of Jesus. We don't do it like that. We don't think like that. We don't want to be like that. We can't imagine being like that. Because the kingdom of God will uproot and upset everything that's traditionally normal in your life. Like your selfishness. Like your self-centeredness. Like your unforgiveness. Like your bitterness. Like your revenge. So when you get the Old Testament, you get down to 1 Samuel... And it says, First Samuel 30, 31 or something, it says, in the year when the kings go out to war. Meaning it says that every year at the same time the kings went out to war. Well, wouldn't that be a lousy place to be living where every single year there are wars? It, it says in the springtime when the kings go off to war, like are they ever going to stop fighting? they ever going to stop being bitter and angry and revenge? No. Not unless the kingdom of God comes in. Not unless the light turns on. Why are heathen heathen? Because they're heathens. Why are sinners sinners? Because they're sinners. Why was I the way I am? Because that's the way I was until he came in and fixed me. Until the light turned on, it's going to be Chaos. It's going to be storms. It's going to be disagreements. It's going to be debates. It's going to be pro-life, pro-choice. It's going to be homosexuality. It's going to be social justice. It's because when you have people that are unsaved and people that have not been cleaned up, they'll keep hurting each other over and over and over and over. And they don't mean to. It's just who they are. There's no perfect person, there's no perfect family, there's no perfect church, there's no perfect city-state, there's no perfect nation. But the reason that we love America is because we're willing to debate the thing and work on the thing and the foundation of our, of our existence as a country is that if transformation can come, we can get along. We can do better. We can be better. We could have, have new hope. Let me read these scriptures to you. And I want to, I want to read these because let's imagine you were in a, a country that had no freedom, no justice. You've never had the, let me back up. I smuggled scriptures, I smuggled Bibles into the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc in the 70s. I was part of a thing called God Smuggler. And we smuggled Christian literature in, and we smuggled Christian documents and political documents out. In the 90s, I was part of the pro democracy movement, and we smuggled scriptures into China, and we taught underground church leaders. Why did the Russians and the Chinese not want the Word of God to go into their country? Because it had concepts and ideas that would rock their roots, rock their authority. If you can't think it, you can't think it. But if you can think it, oh my gosh, now people can actually think on that thought. Right? So imagine... All of a sudden, the Word of God is dropped into a place, and these scriptures come in. Let me go with this. 1 Peter 2.16. Live as people who are free. What would happen if you've never been free, and you don't know what freedom is? It was never an option. You just do what you're told to do, or you die, get killed. Free? Who's been free? How do you be free? Free personally? spiritually, socially, nationally, we don't have freedom here. We do this or we're dead. King says this, don't do it, you're dead. Leader says, do this or you're dead. Egyptian said, do this or you're dead. You have no value. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil but for living as servants of God. Wow, what what would that be like? Number two, in him Christ and through faith in him, Ephesians 3.12, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Three, for you have been called to live in freedom. Can you imagine a book coming to a people group and they've never experienced freedom? They've never conceived freedom. They've never seen freedom ever. Taliban women today don't have freedom. They're told what to do and who they're going to marry and you know, where they're going to live and if you get out of the way they'll kill you. You start taking schools into Afghan places and women you have rights. No, they don't. You don't have freedom. Don't even think about it. Think about nations. We're spoiled here. Galatians five thirteen and 14. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, rich, poor. Hey, if you love the, love the Lord, you're going to learn to love each other. And you've never seen that model before. It says here, Don't do that to satisfy the sinful nature. It said, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law could be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. How about this one? Galatians 5.1 For it is freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Or or Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. 6. Acts Acts 13.38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins will be, be proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed of by the law of Moses. I say that to say there are many scriptures that talk about freedom. And it rocks people's worlds and it rocks society's worlds. In England, 1620, the pilgrims came over. Why? Because they got tired of King George telling them what to do. And if you didn't do it in the name of the church, he'd kill you. So the pilgrims came over were separatists. We're separating from the whole deal. Don't want any of it anymore. We want to be free. Then the Puritans showed up in 1630 following the pilgrims, and they landed close to them, and they brought their thing of being a Puritan, which was we're going to stay a part of the Church of England. We want to reform it from the inside. The pilgrims said we don't want anything to do with the Church of England. We'll do our own thing, rebelling against authority. They said no, we're going to try to reform it The Puritans were upper class people that were educated. The Pilgrims were the lower class worker people. When they preached to each other, they didn't like each other. Why? Because they loved Jesus, but they didn't like one another. They couldn't get along. If they got the book, and they're reading the same book, why couldn't they get along? Because the culture of their enlightenment of those days were, we don't get along. Pretty soon the 13 colonies were filled up. And the 13 colonies were a wild group because they couldn't agree on anything. Talk about storms, disagreements, the stuff. Our nation has been a history of storms and disagreements, fights, as long as we've been here. When Maryland was was colonized, it was Catholic and Anglican. And if a Catholic Christian, a Catholic or Anglican Christian went up to New, uh, New England... They could be stoned and killed and hung as heretics, but they were part of the 13 colonies. When Rhode Island was founded, it was founded by Roger Williams. And what did he say? No rules. You can believe whatever you want. Come to Rhode Island. Baptists came out of Rhode Island. And he was called a heretic at the time for letting people think what they wanted to think with no judgment. Don't have to follow the Anglicans, don't have to follow the Puritans, don't have to follow the Pilgrims. You come here, you can be freelancing, do whatever you want. He'd be a heretic. But guess what? When those 13 colonies got fed up of other things, even in their disagreements, they came together and they said, we're going to rally and take on the English and we have a revolutionary war. Now, how do people who don't like each other, don't get along, call each other heretics, disagree spiritually, all of a sudden come together and say, but that's worth fighting for. Because sometimes there are bigger things than our disagreements. You don't, as the pastor said, sink the ship to get rid of the rats. You work on the rats and you work on the ship. Why do I say that? I say that because you're being sanctified. The longer I'm in Jesus, the more he wants to change me. It's called sanctification. It's called I have issues. I had issues in my 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I'm still messed up. Because the Holy Spirit says to me, why are you still doing that? You know better than that. I mean, I'll overlook it the first five years in Jesus, but you shouldn't be doing that 15 years in Jesus. When are you going to deal with that? Get over it. How can you be 40 years in Jesus and have those thoughts? Hello? Don't look at me like that. You got them too. Because he's doing a work in us like he's doing a work in our nation. And what seems clear at one time becomes, did we used to act like that? Did we used to do that? Why are we doing this in our personal lives and as a nation? And there will always be battles because God is always going to be saying no. He's always going to say, these are foundational truths. He's going to hold things up in front of us and say, does that sound like love your neighbor? You should love yourself. Do unto others you'd have them do unto you. Because he has a plan for our country to still be what they put up on the, the big mantle for America. You're the city set on a hill. You're a light. You're a place that everybody looks to in the world. Why? Because we're working on our issues because we have a foundation and that foundation is transformation and that transformation is there's hope because Jesus can come and heal, heal and fix anybody and everybody. I just, I say that because in closing, some of you need to Repent. There's stuff that you're putting up with that he doesn't want you to put up with. There's thoughts that you think that you shouldn't have. Some of you are not peacemakers, but agitators. You like a good fight. You like to stir it up. But Jesus says, did I teach you to do that? Do I want you to do that? Are you a rep of me? I want you to close your eyes with me real quick. Pastor, why don't you come stand next to me. Father, I thank you that in our country, on 4th of July, it's remembrance that we are a people in process. Like our nation is in process. And Lord, the freedom that you've given us to be free from All of our addictions and all of our selfishnesses and all of our anxieties and fears and depressions is also something that you want to heal in our nation. And we're grateful for freedom that sets us free. But it comes by being Christ-like and turning to you in humility and saying, Lord, this shouldn't be going on in my life. I know better. I can be better. I'm supposed to be better. I'm a believer. And I need you. If you're here this morning and you need help still, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, if you know that you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, thinking about you, shouldn't be thinking, and using your freedom not for good, I want you to stand up. Good. Holy Spirit, talk to your people. Some of you need Jesus this morning for the first time. Stand up. You need to surrender. Lord, I need help. I need help. Like we all do. Lord, we ask today that you'd come and reach all of us and Help all of us enjoy 4th of July because it's about liberty and freedom for all of us. And there's hope for our nation.